Welcome to the Cross the Line Podcast. My name is Carlos Smith, and today's episode is sponsored by Charlene's Home Cooking on 1136 East Blackstock Road in Moore, South Carolina. Charlene's Home Cooking is a family restaurant that cooks like grandma with fresh veggies, meat, and meats cooked to order. You can do a meat with two sides, a meat with three sides, or a veggie plate along with sweet tea, Kool-Aid, and lemonade. Cakes, pies, and cobbler are also available for dessert. She wants you to feel at home anytime you visit, so make sure you stop by on Monday, Thursday, and Saturday from 11 to 6, and also Friday. And from on Sunday, she's open from 11 to 7. Everything is fresh and baked from the heart, and she would love to see you come in and visit her sometime. So anytime you guys are down that way in Spartanburg, South Carolina, make sure you guys go check out if you ever come that way. But um, joining me today, I have a special guest. Um, she does, She is in the community Community Basketball Development Department for the Atlanta Hawks, and today I'm sitting with Miss Anma. I, I don't want to butcher it, but I'm gonna give it a shot. I know you told me Anma Anaku, but I'll call her Ao. How you doing? I'm good. Yes, Onuku. Onuku. It's all good. Thank you, for, but thank you for joining me though. But um, just to tell people watching um how we actually met, it was actually last. I want to say last October, November. We were at the uh. That high school tip off, mm-hmm. and um, right when we get ready to leave, I asked, "Did y'all have any more T-shirts?" And uh, you told me y'all were out, so I was like, "Okay, that's cool." But then what I really appreciated was you went out your way to actually go get me a T-shirt, which you didn't even have to do that. So ever since then, I was like, yeah, "Man, you, you are all right with me." So, I so I, I appreciate you doing that. But for people um that's listening, tuning in, tell them exactly what you do. Uh, so with the Hawks, uh, like you said, I'm in the community. So we do camps and clinics all over the city. And, up a little bit. Oh, sorry. We do yeah. camps and clinics all over the city of Atlanta. Um, basically just use basketball to connect with kids from 8 to 16. Mm-hmm. Um, so the summertime is like our busiest time. We have camps basically on every like every area around the city. Right. And it's Monday through Thursday, all day, just basketball. Having fun, contests, games, just any way that we can incorporate basketball into their lives and just connect with them. Yes, and you actually have a, a, a background in basketball, right, in sports. Mm-hmm. So you, where did you play ball at? Uh, I played my college ball at Hofstra University. At Hofstra. How, how was that experience for you? Well, growing up in Georgia and then going to New York, um, I didn't appreciate the snow, but I got through it. It's yeah. the coldest four years that I've had since I was a kid. But it was Hofstra D1 or? Yeah, it was D1. D1 or, or, Mid-major. Okay. And uh, after college, you went. I saw that you played a little bit of ball in Spain. Mm-hmm. How long did you play in Spain? Three years. Three years. And what what was that experience like for you going to play in Spain? I know it, was, it had to be a culture shock, but yeah. how would you describe it? It was cool. Um, it was a quiet time for me, more so just like I was trying to listen and just you know adapt to the culture and try to learn the language as much as I could. I took Spanish in high school, but once you get over there, it's a completely different different mm-hmm. language, different dialect. So. Um, I learned as much as I could while I was there, and I started to understand it much better towards the end of my career. Mm-hmm. But overall, it was just a great experience. I mean, to live and play in another country, and like you said, adapt to the culture, eat different food, just travel to different places. I saw mm-hmm. a lot of Spain, and it's a beautiful country. So when you, uh, your senior year, did you already know that you were headed, that was your option after um, your senior year in college, or was it, or were you still looking? No, it was more of a dream. It wasn't it wasn't like I knew for sure. It was just like that's what I wanted to do next. And after the like my last game of my senior year, you know, then we were able to talk to agents. I couldn't find an agent for the longest time. So 
uh, while everybody else had an agent, was getting signed, like I was still waiting just to get that first step of finding somebody to help me find a team overseas. Mm -hmm. And that was stressful. That was a mm -hmm. very, very stressful time. But I just, you know, kept working out, kept my faith up, and God bless me with somebody who wanted to take a chance on me. Found my first team and just got to move from there. So was the WNBA an option or was it just kind of like, you say you didn't have an agent, was it just like, okay, I'm going to have to, in order for me to get to the WNBA, I have to go to Spain. Was that pretty much the only option at that time? Or? Yeah, yeah, pretty much understood that. Um, I was kind of undersized in my position. Like, mm -hmm. I started out as a five. Really? Yeah, I was a, I grew up, uh, like, high school and, like, the first two years of college, I was a four or five. Mm -hmm. By the time I ended my career, I was two three. So I had to, like, completely switch the way I played and learn different ways, like, in the later period than other uh, other people. So with the WNBA, like, I was kind of behind in that sense. Right. So going to Spain, it gave me that opportunity to get professional experience. But towards the end of that career, it's just like, I've been playing basketball so long, so I kind of wanted to see what else I could do as far as staying in sports, but not necessarily playing. Right. And how, how long when you were in Spain, how, how often were you, how often did you get to come home when you were in Spain? Uh, Christmas and then the summer. Dang. So was that kind of what factored into you kind of saying, you know what, I want to Get away yeah. from it, or what was it? Yeah, I mean, through college, it was the same thing. Christmas, and then maybe spring break, and then the summertime. So over a span of, like, six to seven years, we'll pause, I was just... We'll pause for one second. Let's pause for one quick second, and we'll be right back. This is the Cross the Line Podcast. All right, so welcome back to the Cross the Line Podcast. We had to pause for a quick segment. So, A.O., I, I, I was about to call you A.O. My bad. But, A.O., I believe we left off where you said what um, we were talking about you playing in Spain. What, would you, what were you saying about... What made you finally decide to come back home? Um, I was saying, like, over a span of, like, six or seven years, I've been away from home and going, coming back. And, you know, it was all because of basketball school. And uh, towards the, like, the last month of my last season, I kind of just wanted to venture out and see what else I was going to do. Uh, I've been playing all my life, and that was my dream. It was to play basketball. But I knew I needed to find out what else I was going to do after that because you can't play forever. So they basically had you on the contract for about four years, and then you uh, kind of... No, I went year to year, so year to each year. contract was just one season, and then after that, revisited. So. Okay. And um, do you still get that itch to play today, or is it kind of like, I'm just down with basketball now at this okay. point? It's, it's mm. constant. Um, but at the end of the day, like, I stopped for a reason, so that's how I settled that. But at the end, I mean, I play around the city in, like, adult leagues with some of my old teammates from high school and friends around the area. So that's kind of how we feel okay. that. All right. So you, you come back from Spain. What's like the first thing that you do when you get back home as far as work-wise? Is it kind of like trying to figure out what's your next move or did you already have that plan or what, what was the first move you did? What did you do when you came back from Spain? So like the last three weeks I was there, I was on Indeed every day just trying to find something. So when I came home, I wasn't behind. Mm -hmm. And that's when I found the Hawks listing. So I applied for it and, you know, I was just hoping that something would pop from that. Once I got back home, like as soon as I landed, I checked my email and I had an interview um, set up. So like the next week I went to that and then everything just kind of fell into place from there mm -hmm. and I started that summer. How long have you been with the Hawks? My third season, fourth season? Mm -hmm. Third or fourth. I'd have to count it. I think this is the, no, this is the fourth season coming up. It's crazy. How I and mean, how how has it been since you've been there? Like, what's that experience been for? Um, as far as working with the Hawks, amazing. Like, it's mm -hmm. the, one of the dopest things that I do. 
I meet and get to train like all these amazing little athletes and even just get to introduce basketball to kids who have never played before. Mm-hmm. The parents just kind of sign them up for the camp and want them to be around other kids. And then they end up leaving, just wanted to dribble all the time or take a shot every time they touch the ball. And like, that's amazing for me. So, cause that's how I felt with basketball as a kid. So to introduce that to another child, just it's kind of, you know, passing right. it on. Do y'all have any, any kind of interactions with as far as the players is strictly the, the kids? Because I remember for me, my internship with the Panthers, um, basically what I did was I was a, uh, helping people find their seats in the stadium. So mm-hmm. pretty much like in the stadium, sometimes you will see the players, yeah. but necessarily the staff didn't really want you to say too much to them. But when I had on my, my other internship I had, we actually had a chance to go in the locker room and interview players and talk to them. But that that particular interview when I was working for the Panthers, we pretty much uh, just helping people find seats. We didn't have much interaction with the players. So do you guys have any interaction yeah, with yeah. Um, So maybe one or two players will come and uh, like make an appearance at the camp. Kids go crazy. Um, the last camp we had, we had two of the rookies come in, um, Cam and Bruno. So, I mean, that was like the craziest time. Parents were all in there. They loved coming up, trying to take pictures and everything. Ridiculous. But depending on the event, like they might have one or two players come in and you might speak to them, you know, we're not going to have a full conversation with them because they're there for a purpose. Right. But, they, you know, they're all nice guys. You know, you have a quick little conversation with them. And after a while, they might be a face. Remember face. Yeah. Right. Do you guys have to be there for game days or how, how is that for us game yeah, day? We have a Sometimes we have events like two hours before the game or what's the kind clinic for the kids. So we'll do drills with them, put them through games, and then they get like a – the kids get a, a free ticket to the game and the parents get like a discount ticket or something. Mm-hmm. But – is everything home based, or do you, do they take you guys on the road, or is it pretty much just strictly just home games doing those events? It's strictly uh, based out of the city. Okay. But um, last year we got the like, some of us got the opportunity to like go to the All Star weekend with the Junior NBA. So mm-hmm. since they're associated with that, I got to go up to Charlotte and then. Which is not too far anyway. No, so. not at all. And it was just, I mean, once again, amazing experience. You know, just continuing to use basketball to interact with new people, network, venture out, and do things that I never thought would happen just regularly. So, right. just curious at this point, what what do you follow more now? I know you work for the Hawks. Do you follow more NBA basketball or do you follow WNBA more? Uh, NBA simply because like it's just always out there, and the WNBA is you can you know it's easy to follow. You can go to a dream game, been to those multiple times. Um, I guess the NBA just has more drama, so you kind of stay open. Always, <laughs> always. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But but as far as the Hawks, do they do they allow y'all to work any WNBA games, or is it just or y'all strictly just for the, yeah. the Hawks? Okay. And um, would you, I'm going to go back to college real quick. Who would you say was the best player you played against in college? Elena Deldon. Deldon? Yeah. That was, I mean – She's 6'5", as a guard, she went through the whole team. I mean, and, like, I say this with respect. I couldn't go. I tried. I did everything I was supposed to do. I, I was in defense, put my hand up, contested every shot. She's just that good, and I don't have a problem saying that. Oh, she still gets buckets she now. Is a, like, it's ridiculous. So, that was honestly top, top five. But she's number one. Mm. That's so, who, who do you idolize in basketball? Who would you say was your idol? Mm, growing up, it was Scotty Pippen. Scotty. And then as I got older, um, I had an older cousin that played basketball as well. And 
he was kind of one of the reasons I kept playing. Because going through college, as an athlete, you go through a lot. And it, it kind of gets to the point where you start to question, like, if you really made, not even made for it, but, like, if you want to continue. It. It's just a lot of stress. And sometimes it gets to you. But um, my sophomore year, the end of my sophomore year, when I was feeling like that, season was over. I was about to go home. And he sent me a copy of his highlight tape from college. And he'd been out for a little while, but he was just like, yo, check this out. Like, and I watched it, and it was ridiculous. Like, I had never got the chance to see him play because we grew up in different states. Mm. What did he play at? He went to Illinois State. Illinois State. Years, and um, played a couple years overseas. But once once I saw that tape, I was just like, there's no way that you know, I'm going to let you be the only the only one in the family that's, you know, shining like this. I want to be right there with you. So right. that was like the, the little pop that kept me going and um, helped me sustain mm. my hard work. Do you feel like uh... – the, the stress you were talking about was because you had to do play ball and practice and go to class or what, what's the, like the most stressful part about being a college athlete? Uh, yeah, time. There's just, once you realize there's not enough time of the day, it's, it just all piles in. It was class and then practices would just get real, real heavy, especially in conference. So once you start playing teams and, you know, that's going to build towards your record of going to the tournament or, you know, it's just, it's just packing on. And during those early years, like my freshman and sophomore year, I wasn't really playing a lot. So for me, it was more so trying to like really work on what I needed to work on so I could get into the game. And then once I got in the game, doing what I needed to do so I could continue to get on, you know, the next game and stay on longer. And eventually I worked my way up to being a starter, but, you know, it was just like, I need to do this, I need to do right. this, I need to do this. So. I'm going to ask you this question. I think I already know the answer, but I'm, I want to ask it anyway. Um, how do you feel about college players not getting paid? It would have helped when I was there. Right. Um, this is all a scam. It's, it's all a scam. It's, I'm very carefully with this subject, but I do think that the amount of work that college athletes put in, they should be compensated. Absolutely. Basketball is one thing, like, it's a two-semester sport. Like, other sports, they might have one season in the beginning of the semester and then another season in the beginning of the other semester. But like basketball, you start in October and you might not finish till the like the middle of March. Right. And you travel, road trip after road trip and home game and road trip. It's just you look up, the school year is over because you've been there season. Then you exactly. got preseason, then you got postseason, then you got the summer. Like I said, I didn't come home a lot. Right. Why. Right. But I just feel like it's so unfair how to the system is set up to where you guys don't get compensated for anything. And and I and what my pet peeve is what they'll say is, well, we're getting they're getting that free education. But so that's why we don't pay, which is BS to me in my opinion, because man, y'all y'all bring in all the money. And I'm not saying college athletes deserve to be millionaires, yeah. but you gotta give them something for everything. Yeah, Cause Y'all don't have a time to go work a job, a part-time job to make a little bit of money. No. Because y'all, like you said, y'all are so busy. But the way the system is set up, man. It's... It'd be nice. I just think we committed our, our lives to these sports, you know, just to get to that free, you know, free scholarship, free education. Exactly. So, but y'all earned it. Exactly. Y'all earned it. You know, I mean, the gear is nice. You know, the, the free. Nah, free you meal. keep the gear. I, I, need, I need no, no, some no. money. I want the gear. The I'd gear is have, nice. Give me a check. I'll take the, I want exactly. both. Exactly. I just feel like both should be nonsense. And exactly. at the bigger schools, you know, using their interviews and everything like that, but you get to the pros and, you know, you get compensated for that. You get the premiums, you get compensated. And I, I just feel like it would help. It might help 
with, you know, money management, financial literacy, if you tell, teach them early, give them money and then, you know, give them a little guidance on how they should spend it and sustain it throughout the semesters. Exactly. And I'm not saying we already know that all, all teams are not going to be compensated the same way because football rep brings in more revenue than basketball mm -hmm. and, and soccer. And, and you have the, the men's side and the women's side. Exactly. So you have teams that are, you know, with players that aren't on full scholarships because some sports don't allot that, you know, as far as the teams are concerned. So there's a lot that goes into it. So if they do compensate them, they're going to have to figure out a way to make it equal across the board, but it's still going to be such a big debate. I think that's one of the reasons it hasn't happened. I don't, I mean, I don't know. It, so you think, so for your team, you felt like if, if the all were getting paid, you, you necessarily felt like the, the starters should make the same as guys like walk-ons. Uh, see, I, I, don't, I don't feel that way. See, then, then that's the then walk on. No, like I feel like they should get paid. But if, if you're a, yeah. the star, people are coming to see you. But at the same time, I don't, I don't necessarily feel like y'all all should get paid the same amount. See, of course, there's a, there's a debate. that'll be a debate. I feel like they just sit down every time and the NCAA meeting is like, all right, should they get paid? It's like, no. And then they all have these different opinions because you have to consider literally every piece of it. So the, right. the football and basketball, like, yeah, you know, pay them. They're making all this money. They bring all these people to the stands. And then, you know, lesser known teams, like the tennis team, golf team, they're like, well, no, I'm, why, why you, are we We'll, we'll give you something, but not what basketball and football is because they're bringing in the money. So that's that's what the top money. Let's Okay, so. So if you have a men's men's golf team and a women's golf team, they're both doing the same same thing. Right. Look at the records, it's equal. Each person, like the stats, pretty much like along the same lines. Mm -hmm. Are you gonna pay the men more just with the men? I feel like you have to look at what the men bring in as opposed to what the women bring in. Just like the, the NBA and the WNBA. If the W, let's say, I'm just gonna throw out a random number. The NBA brings in $100 million and the WNBA brings in $10 million. I can't give the women $50 million contracts, whatever, because they don't bring in that kind of money. Whereas opposed to the NBA, they're bringing in 10 times as much more. So I can't pay them the women what the men bring in. I think you have to go. Think, but then it's just like okay, with the NBA, like you see all the all the work that's put into like everything in the background. You gotta think like all these corporations as well are they mm -hmm. putting in that same effort with the WNBA teams? Just and not the just the the big ones like the Sparks or the the Lynx, you know, because they had my more at least Leslie like back in the day. But like, is everybody along the lines like giving the same type of that's fair, and I, I don't think the they team. are. Yeah, I don't think they are. So you gotta think like, if they're not bringing in this this revenue, they're not like coming up like this. Whatever the popularity might not be there, you know. Regardless, I know a lot of people that are WNBA fans. Mm -hmm. So it's just like you gotta think what's happening on the outside. Like, like they're not seeing. You mm -hmm. see the games; they know the athleticism of these women. They're, right. They're dedicated their lives to their sport as well. Mm -hmm. so, oh, and, and I understand. I just want to be clear. I'm not saying that the women oh, yeah. don't deserve that kind of money. It's just when you look at it, they don't bring in the kind of money that the NBA does. That's all I'm saying. So if they if the NBA is bringing in 10 times as much more, I can't give – I'm going off of what they're making. That's what I'm saying with, like, like, you, like the analogy you said with the men's golf and those women's golf. Like if the men are bringing in more money, then they're probably going to make a little bit more than the women are. That, that's all I'm saying. And it's like, you know, numbers-wise, it would make sense. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you have to, like, there's just a, a big debate and it's just going to continue to go. Mm -hmm. So I feel like instead of hitting all these points, 
They're just saying, you know, it's just easier to say. No. Exactly. Exactly. And I, and I think that's what they're going to continue to do. But but the same way that they can figure out ways to make up these rules, like the Rich Paul rule that they made up on the fly, yeah. but they finally took it back. They can figure out a way to make it's it. It's easier to make up rules to stop stuff. Exactly. But you start paying people, then people will come up with like, so I didn't get paid for this, and I did this while I was in school. Which, right. You're not going to reimburse me for that, so. Once again, it's just easier to say no. But I, I hope, hopefully, in the future, it's something that they could could do. But I, I don't we'll know. See. But I think it's going to take some players um, to stand up and say, maybe if they set out some of the like key games of the season, say, no, I don't want to play this game because I feel like I should be fairly compensated. Like, look at Zion Williams. You, he, you know, he brought in millions of dollars for mm-hmm. for Duke and didn't get a penny while he was there. So it's just like maybe they'll do something like that. Or like we talk about all the time and I hear people saying now was what if some of those key key athletes instead of going to like a Duke or North Carolina, what if they went to HBCUs and, mm-hmm. and put their money into a, a black college and a black, those those kind of institutions, would they change the rules then? Yeah. But, but um, I don't Yeah, I don't know. It'll it's, be it's it's, 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 it's a debate, but it, and it's and it's tough to say because I don't know if those guys will, will want to do it. I mean for me, I would I would love to see those guys do something like that, just be a trailblazer and, and take a different path. But yeah, I mean the big schools always, you know, that popularity of it, you want to play in front of a big crowd. That's mm-hmm. what I wanted as a kid. It's like when I was in eighth grade, I be couldn't tell me I wasn't going to like UNC. I wasn't gonna be a Tar Heel, I was going to UConn. Right. But you know, you start getting older, you start trying really going to tournaments and just seeing stuff, taking college really visits. You just see like where do I fit, and I fit at Austin. That's where I was. Right. That's where I was going. So, who would you say were your mentors like growing up in sports? In sports, uh, my coaches probably the biggest influence was my high school coach, and mm-hmm. he's just that man was in ways very very strict. Uh, kind of the parent away from home. And, you know, I was raised a certain way, so I already had those guidelines. But as far as basketball is concerned and everything that came into training, he was the one that laid that foundation. I, I prom- like I kept most of the stuff that I learned from him all the way through college and my pro career. Best advice that you've received? Mm. Keep going. Have faith and keep going. <laughs> top five players. Who would you say were your top players right now? For me, I, I'll say – I like I like I probably give LeBron a nod for number one. Um, he still he oh, still yeah. can get it done, LeBron, man. LeBron's a I still give LeBron. Um, for me, since KD is out, I'm I'm going Steph as the second best player for me. I think this year I think he'll be on a mission to to kind of right the wrong from from last year. Like Clay Thompson. Uh, yeah, Clay. Unfortunately. Clay don't. I don't think he gets enough credit either. That injury but, hurt me. Yeah, he's one of my favorite players. I felt like I felt like they were gonna win, even even though KD was out with just Steph and Clay. I still felt like mm-hmm. man, he was snapping before he got hurt. He had like thirty before he ended up tearing his ACL. Yeah. But I say LeBron, Steph, um, between I say I give Kawhi number three, AD number four. And number five, uh, I'll probably say hard. Mm. Number five, even though he don't play a lot of defense. But I will say he's making this training thing so much fun, like, tra- like trying to get these kids to realize that that's a travel. 
Yeah. They, <laughs> I told him to do a step back, and they take three steps. Oh, so I just, like, hardest I, step. He travels please, all the time. As and a they, trainer, please stop it. Like, you don't know. It's a travel. When we think about Harden's game, he, he can play, man, but sometimes for me it's, it's hard to watch him because he just dribble, 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 yeah. and five seconds left, so step like, back or man, something. I'm, I train kids. Like, I train young athletes, and they go based off what they see in the game. Yeah. So, if we, like, we're playing games in the camp, and I'm like, okay, you know, you be point guard, <laughs> kick goes down, and he's just pass the ball. Just dribble, and dribble, dribble. You just know this. It's what they watch. So, you yeah. can't be mad, but you, you just try to guide them to get them to understand different ways of how to how to get to that point right. they're not there yet. So, But it's – I mean, I can say it's, it's good. Well, that's part of it, but – I look at somebody like Steph, a kid who's not the most athletic, but he can shoot. Mm-hmm. Somebody else, kids can can model their game after. But but you still need to play some defense too, though. Yeah, you have to. You have to get the basics of it. First, yeah, right. You know? Like there's a lot that goes into like Steph knows how to still oh, yeah. handle the ball. Oh yeah. the sound, yeah. If you can't handle the ball, you're not going to be That's able to true. do that. So yeah. once again, like try teaching the basics. So that's pretty. So that's probably I would say that's probably the hardest part of coaching kids. It's just, yeah, that and getting them to like realize like it's not I'm not just saying this stuff to tell you like I've played mm-hmm. and I might not have been you know an all star ball handler or you know I would I played everything but point guard mm-hmm. but at the same time I played with like some of the best in my opinion I played with some of the best basketball players especially in college like mm-hmm. my college teammates were hands down some of the the most like gifted athletes that I played with. What's the age group of those kids that you um, coach? Eight to sixteen. Eight to sixteen. Oh, yeah. So I, the, the older they get, and the more they see it. It's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> My last and final question: um, What would you say is your ultimate goal? My ultimate goal is to use basketball to just experience as many different places and really connect with as many people as I can. Because I've done it and at the age of 27. I've, I've seen so much, you know, like I've been to four, five different European countries four, because of basketball. Um, I was able to go to school for free because of basketball. I met all these amazing people while I was in New York and around those states. So I just want to continue to evolve as a trainer, you know, and just use what I've done to continue to help and uplift anybody. Y'all using this game. That's dope. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Ayo, before we get out of here, can you tell everybody how to find you or, or give them any kind of advice? Uh, my advice, like a, the, the advice that I've been given, anything that you're doing, just have a have a reason why you're doing it and let that let that drive you anytime that you feel like you're not where you want to be. Never forget what you've done, but just know that you're not quite there. Keep working. Keep going. Keep your head up. Keep going. All right. Well, thank you again. I appreciate you for coming on. And also, <clears throat> let's thank Miss Charlene, Charlene Davis from Charlene's Home Cooking again in Spartanburg, South Carolina. So you guys are around. Make sure you check out. And also, thank you to my SUV TV family and Marcus Burnett for helping us get this facility together to shoot this interview. So until next time, guys, keep chasing your dreams. This is the Cross the Line Podcast. Thank you for listening.